Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. Where are you at? Hey, where are you at? Psalm 57. It's like Heinz 57, but Jesus version. All right. Verse 7. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing. Are you seeing this? I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. Awake lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Come on. That's good. You know my favorite part of this one is, like, just because this is the one that God spoke to me about, like, I guess, in the midst of all this. Is this, awake my glory, awake lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. Talk about something that's awesome. This, that first song, did you guys like that first song? Did you guys like that first song that we did tonight? So good. It's like one of my favorites, pretty much like every other John Mark song ever. And he's saying, um, the sun and the moon are coming out of their grave just for you. So gnarly. Do you guys realize that we are a part of creation a part of God's creation that literally has no choice but to worship him. It says in, in uh, Romans that like everyone on the earth is without excuse. What he's talking about is everybody knows that God is real just based on the fact that the trees and the sun and the stars and rainbows and frogs and, and I don't know, wombats. They're all declaring the goodness of God. They're all declaring that there is a creator. Everything in creation is going, God is real. And out of everything, he gave you a choice. Everything else has, it's almost like it has no choice, right? The sun's going to come up. The moon's going to come out. The stars are going to shine. All that stuff. It's like, Just radiating God, God, God is real, God is powerful, God is mighty. And then some of us are are walking around going like, God, whatever, man, I don't believe in that. I believe in science. You're like, well, look at science and watch God jump out at your face and eat it off or something. Like, seriously. And we got this bro, David, in the Bible, who is this shepherd guy, right? Right? I don't know. And he's going, you know what? I'm going to own my own worship. I'm going to take full responsibility. And I tell you what, if that stinking sun doesn't come up, I'm going to make sure I wake that sucker up. I'm going to awaken the dawn with my praise. I'm going to make sure that God gets worship no matter what. If that sun doesn't come up, I'm going to be like that annoying, annoying rooster. Like, hey, you got a responsibility. Get up and worship. Seriously, doesn't that make you like excited? Like, oh man, I get to, I get to like actually own my worship. Like, it's just not like, oh, Wednesday nights, if I like the worship leader and if the words are on the screen. No, man, if the words aren't on the screen, just go, just start going, I love you. You're awesome. You're so much awesome. You're like 900, 9,000 million awesomes. Seriously. Oh my gosh. And this guy is just like this, this ravage 
savage, gnarly dude, like, oh, I don't care what happens. Like, the moon could be falling out of the sky, and I'll be like, get your butt back up there. You got a job to do. What? I don't know what you said. <clears throat> this is the, great, the greatest part. Look, if you read your Psalms in, in some Bibles, I don't know about the Bibles that we have here because, like, some Bibles are like study Bibles and they give you kind of more insight on what was all going on. David, you guys have heard me talk about this at least, at, at least a couple times. But there was this whole season of his life that was a total testing period where he was actually running from this guy who was trying to kill him, who had his job, right? David was anointed king over Israel, and the current king was like, oh, heck no, spear throw at your face. And David's like, oh, man, I better get out of here. I better get out of here. And so my Bible is like one of those study Bibles, and it tells you a little bit about what is going on in the moment of this um, verse. And it's when he's running from Saul and actually at the, one of the lowest points, and he's hiding in a cave. Talk about crap hitting the fan. I mean, it is just like a potpourri of stinkiness in his life. And you, you got to talk about this guy, and he's like, you know what? I don't even care. I'm owning my worship, even in the worst times, even in the crappiest times. I am a cre- I'm part of his creation. And, and beyond, like, the, just, like, having the responsibility or whatever, it's like this, it's this glory. It is our own glory to choose to take ownership of our worship of God. It's so awesome. Um, and owning, the way this, like, works into your life is so beautiful. Owning your life is really owning your worship. There was this uh, time a couple weeks ago, if you guys know our pastors, Charles and Ann, um, they're wonderful, right? And, like, a lot of times you can see Charles, and he's like this. He looks like he's like a 16-year-old in a puppy love situation. You know, he's just kind of like, oh, hi. Like, like you show up late to do something for him, and he's like, oh, hi. Are you late? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a little late. Oh, okay. It's just like, okay, I guess that's all right. You're just love drunk. It's awesome. But seriously, so that's so. I, was, I go over there sometimes and I do work in their yard. And so I don't have a car right now, which, you know, like it's kind of like living in a cave running from somebody trying to kill you sometimes, literally, because you're riding a bicycle in Harrisburg and people literally try to kill you. And so I'm like riding, I'm riding my bike back from their house. It's only like seven miles. So I ride there and I work for a few hours and then I ride home. And by the end of that, like I'm just like, babe, what are you making for dinner? Not like out of disrespect, just like I'm real hungry and I'm going to pass out when I get home if I don't eat something. And so I'm like trucking home, trying to get there because Katie makes like the best food ever and you all should be jealous. It's so good. And I'm like going home and like the whole way, yeah, this was the time. First, I'm calling her. I'm pretty sure it's the same time. First, I'm calling her and I'm like talking to her like this with my left hand, and I'm going up a hill around a corner on the phone, on my bike, and I'm, I'm trying to get up this hill, but it's a, it's a really steep hill, and so I go to, like, downshift all with my right hand, and I realize that, like, I actually need to downshift with my left hand, so I turn around one-handed, 
and I start to go back down the hill. And when I get about halfway back down the hill, I decide to switch hands to the phone so that I can downshift with this hand. Click, click. And so I hit the clicker, and it jumps down the gear so fast that your leg kind of does one of those spinny things. And my handlebars went, and, like, I saved it. I was like, and then I was on the pavement, like, two seconds later. So I saved it, and then I didn't save it, if you know what I mean. And so, like, I'm literally on the ground. I look at my bike. Crap is messed up. My sprocket's, like, all messed up. And I, like, go pick up back up my phone, and, you know, you hear that. Are you okay? Dylan, Dylan, are you okay? Dylan. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I crashed my bike and blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. and the, the lady in, like, the little Mini Cooper comes by, and it's, like, Camp Hill, so everybody's kind of like, like, I don't know. They're just like, hey, do you need help? Why don't you have a car? <laughs> and whatever. So, like, I'm like, no, I'm fine, thanks. I'll make it somehow. And, and so, anyway, I keep going. Get back onto the bike, ride up the super steep hill. Still haven't made it up the super steep hill. Get it, get up to the top of the hill and start going. And, like, I get over on this side of the river to Harrisburg, and, like, two guys on bikes are coming at me, right? And this path is only wide enough for two bikes to pass each other. It's like Front Street River Path. Like, some people run down there. It's really nice. We actually, Luke and Isaiah and I just ran five miles down there today. It was great. And... Um, we're side by, or these, they're coming at me side by side, and I'm, like, coming at them expecting, like, just kind of etiquette, right? Like, tuck in behind the person you're riding next to and let me pass you on the path. No. We are, I don't know, we are awesome and you are not. Get out of our way was pretty much the response. At least that's how I received it because I was already mad about my bike being wrecked. And so I'm like, I cannot believe this. People are the craziest people in the universe right now. And, like, just totally rode me off the path. No big deal. Whatever. And so I keep going. I'm kind of still, like, upset about this. And then I get, keep going. And I get close to the uh, City Island Bridge, if you know what I'm saying, City Island Bridge. It's down, down there. And this, I see this guy, white-haired guy, and he's got, like, a hat on. But I can see this, like, long white hair sticking out of the hat. And he, like, kind of walks across the path. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to make it because he made it across. And then he walks back into the center of the path and holds his hand out like this. I'm, like, trucking. I'm going, like, 30 miles an hour on my bike. And he just, like, stands in front of me like a Ghostbuster. <laughs> like, I'm like, who are these people? What is happening right now? I'm totally losing my mind. And he's just like, are you from around here? Like, I, I skid to a stop, and I'm, like, already upset. And he's like, are you from around here? I'm like, yes. Yes, I am from around here. <laughs> Why? Why would you stand in front of me like this? Like, this is all the things happening in the back of my mind, right? And he goes, do you know where the historic plate is for the Walnut Street Bridge? Like those blue Pennsylvania, like historic landmark things? That's what he wants to know. <laughs> this guy. I'm like a speeding bullet. Like, he is willing to risk his life to find out where the historic landmark board is for what the heck is the Walnut Street Bridge and why is it here. I'm just like, I cannot believe this is your question right now. And so I get, like, admitted into this conversation, and, like, something just clicks in my mind, and I go, I actually kind of like this guy. 
I don't know why. And so him and I just start chatting it up, right? Like, oh, yeah, man, did you go down here and see John Harris's mansion and blah, 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 blah. There's a sweet historic plaque up for that thing. And we're just like, like I'm some kind of historian or something. Like, yeah, right. I don't know anything about anything, you know. Like, I just like riding my bike fast. And, and so, like, we're talking back and forth. And the best part about it is he's got, like, this I love Jesus hat on it. I come to later find out. The guy who's just like, yes, I'm a Ghostbuster who loves Jesus. Like, okay, I don't know. But so seriously, like, I'm telling this story the next day kind of, like, upset about it. And, like, could just because everybody heard that I had wrecked my bike because, like, my wrist was all jacked up and stuff. And my bike was all messed up. And ben, I brought it in so Ben could fix because Ben fixes everything. And he did it. And Charles is just looking at me with that, like, love drunk face on. And he's just going, it's all worship. It's just all worship. Seriously. Because, like, you get to this place where you realize that the way that, you, the way that you respond to every situation, even when some Jesus-loving ghostbuster pulls out in front of you and tries to stop you going Mach 10, it's like your response to this person who is a part of God's creation, right, and is, is actually a, how you will respond to God. Didn't he say, however you, however you respond to the least of these that's how you, that's like how I would receive something from you. Like, even if you've given somebody a drink of water, right? Like, this was, this was my offering to this guy, just to like, not just right away and be like, you're a crazy old man. But to actually like, enter into this little like, n- niche of weird interest that he possesses. And just go like, yeah man, I actually really like you. Let's talk about history. When you almost just killed me, and you. At the same time. And it's like getting into this place where we, we really own every circumstance of our life because it is worship. It is worship. The way that you respond is worship. And if you think about, um, think about it like this. This is one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard. It's like the, the first time I heard it was from Chris Valton. And he, he was talking about how he was in a class and he was teaching uh, people about valuing themselves and honoring others. And he had somebody come in, and he really questioned this other older gentleman came in, and he started really getting angry with Chris, who is the guy I'm referring to, for teaching them, because teaching all, them all this stuff about having honor and having self-confidence and being, like, being just happy with who you are. And he said, I think that that's going to promote pride. That's a really stupid thing to do. You don't want to teach people that they're great because then they'll get all proud. And so there was this painting hanging on the wall, right? Just picture, like, a beautiful painting behind me of the Walnut Street Bridge and the Jesus Ghostbuster. Okay? It's on the, it's on the back wall. And Mark painted it. He's a fantastic artist. One of the, like, the, the best of his age. Yeah, coach. <laughs> and I walk in, and I look at that painting, and Mark's standing here, and I go, oh, that painting sucks. That's the most terrible painting I've ever seen in my life. What the heck is a Jesus Ghostbuster? There is no such thing. This is the stupidest painting I've ever seen. Is it the painting that loses value? 
Or is it the painter that gets attacked? So the question is, who painted you? Who painted you? And you start, to, you start to look at people and go, you're such a doofus standing out in front of me with your hand out like you're going to zap me up into some special box. Like, what the heck? And in your Jesus hat acting like a Christian. you got to be kidding me. And you start to go down that road and you go, wait a second. I know who painted that guy. And you got to check yourself. you got to check yourself. And you go, man, I am not doing anything but attacking God, the one who created me, by not giving honor to the people that I meet. And it's so much so, like, you attach certain circumstances and start to blame other people for being so stupid and arrogant and and prideful and a jerk and your parents, some of them, your siblings, some of them, your teachers, your coaches, and you have to hold up and go, wait a second. That's a creation of God. That person was painted with the same paintbrush. And your value system can change, and then you start to respond in a way that cultivates worship. Check this out. This is, like, last place we're going to go real quick. It's in your Bible also. It's Psalm 42. It's, like, one of the famous ones at the beginning. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, God. It's beautiful, but that's not the part we're going to talk about. But come on, dude, I want to I wanna be there. I want to be there with this guy. Oh. Okay, check this out. It's verse 5. You there? Psalm 42. Josh, you want to read it? Just verse 5. Yeah. Okay, cool. This is, this is um, that's good. Why are you cast out on my soul? I'm going to read it out of this version because it's, I don't know what that version that is, but this version says it's a little different. Why are you cast down on my soul? It's like he said. Why are you, what was your, what did it say right there? Why are you, what? So disturbed. This says disquieted, but we'll just say that it's disturbed. Within me, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. For the help of his face. For the help of his countenance. You know, like, like this is what we're doing when we come into worship, right? It's like, it's, it's the natural response when you come into God's presence. It says that it's the goodness of God that actually leads us to, to repentance. And God is this taste and see kind of God who's like, let me show you who I am. With favor and goodness and love and mercy and grace and peace. And we can experience all these things in his presence. Like when we come into this place of worship like we did tonight. Or even when you wake up and look out your um, bedroom window and see the fall uh, leaves or even just like a, a snowstorm that's got everything covered and it's totally peaceful. And you start to experience God and see God in everything. And it's like in this place of his face, you start to see the face of God in everything. It's like, why are you cast down? Why are you disturbed? I will hope in God and I will praise him. For the light of his countenance, for the light, the brightness of his glory, right? You could say that a bunch of ways. 
for, the salva- for his salvation, for his greatness, for his, for his magnitude, for how awesome he is. I come into this place of worship, right? So it's like we're, we get into this place where we see God and our response naturally is just to worship him. Okay, and it's because of, like, just for the sake of the picture, just picture it, it's because of his light shining down on us. And that light is all those things I just talked about. His, his light is like strength for you. His light is peace for you. His light is provision for you. His light is favor for you. His light is peace and joy, okay? All that stuff is what I'm talking about when I say the light of his face is hitting your life. And when you receive those gifts, you worship, right? And then, like, from there, in verse 6, it goes on, and it's talking about, he just goes right from there, and he gets really real with God, and he says, but, man, my soul is cast down. Like, he said it a little bit before you, you could realize, like, he's like, man, why am I so bummed out? Why is my life, like, why does this suck right now so bad? Have you ever been there? Why is this so rough? What, what is going on? And then he commands his heart to this place of, I'm still going to worship you because of the light of your face, right? And then he goes back to this place, verse 6, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. And therefore, that next word is super key. Therefore, look, when you're feeling that, that way, when you're feeling the suck come on you, oh yeah, this is about to suck. This is sucking right now. My life is sucking right now. This is what he says. When you get there and you start feeling it, it's not so you can just go, dang it, today is going to be a sucky day. Right? Because there's a therefore that comes right after that. And he says, therefore, in that place, this is exactly where David would go, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and the heights of Hermon and the hill of Mizar. That doesn't mean anything to you, right? you never been to Jordan. I can't even say Mizar right. But in this place where I start to feel stuff get hard and stuff really start to like rub me the wrong way and I start to get frustrated, I go, Jesus, I remember when you saved me in the pit of my sin. And I was literally choosing to despise you and turn away from your grace. And you gave me a gift that in the middle of me doing something so against who you are, I had, there was enough grace from God for me to go, oh, I need Jesus. Oh, I need Jesus. In my drunkenness and in, in like total defilement and lust, I like get to this broken place. And you realize that I'm like in the middle of sin, right? Like I'm sleeping with my girlfriend in high school and I'm in the middle of this sin, like in the bed. And the only response I have is, oh God, I need you. Talk about mercy. Talk about love. You realize that it's not from me. It was a gift from God that came to me and said, oh, trust me, you want me. Let me shine on you a little bit and remind you how much you want me. And I think about that and go, in the middle of a crappy day, I go, oh, God, you're good. And that's why we can sing that song over and over and over and over and over and over again. You're never going to let me down. You are always good, even in the night when it's holding on to you and when that crap is trying to get a grip on you and stay on you and climb up in there with you in bed and try to mess with your head, you go, oh, no, God is holding on to me at the same time. 
So find your Jordan. Find that land where you remember, what you remember, where God was so good to you, right? In the middle of those crappy times and you go, oh, yeah, I remember when you gave salvation to my brother. I remember when you healed my mom. Like, I walk into my kitchen and she's like, man, I've had this toothache for two weeks. And I go, let's pray. Jesus, heal my mom. And bam, she was healed. Not everybody I pray for gets healed. I love my mom more than almost anybody in the world. If anybody I want to get healed, it's my mama. You know what I'm saying? And like, I just sat there in my kitchen and cried with my mom because he touched her. I go, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Come on. We got to find those places in your life. If you don't have anything like that, I guarantee you God wants to meet you somewhere so that he can give you one. The verse goes on. And he goes through this, all this stuff, and he's talking about how God's been with him and all these, all these deep things. And then it gets to the end, and it says the same thing over again, almost. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted or disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance, my God. The first one said, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And in the end of the psalm, he came to a place where he said, the help, I shall yet praise him, hope in him, because he's the help of my countenance. There's this reciprocal thing that happens when you choose to get into a place of worship and own your worship, the way that David did and said, look, I don't care what's happening in my life. I don't care if I'm in a cave and people are throwing spears at me or there's cars trying to hit me on my bicycle or ghostbusters are standing in the middle of the street. I don't care what's going on. I am going to wake up the dawn. If God's not getting worshiped, I'm going to make sure he does. Because you're, look, like you're the only one in your situation, right? You're the only one who can give God praise in your situation. You're the only one. You have to own it. And it's in that place where we own, when we own worship, and this thing takes place, where, where David says, I will hope in God and yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And we stand in his presence and we see his face and we receive, right, the joy and the truth and the love coming from those, that light that's coming from his face. This is what countenance means, if you're not with me there. Countenance is your face, right? Like you can just tell, just like I was talking about Charles, his countenance is pretty beaming, okay? You can tell when somebody's got something going on inside of them that's full of life because their countenance says so. You better believe that God's countenance is shining like that. And so from that place where we go, yeah, God, I just worship you in the middle of this thing. It ends up turning into this reciprocal where all of a sudden you're the one who's shining. Right? That's what he said. The help of my countenance. 
It was through that whole psalm there was a transformation. And we talked about this on the retreat, how much people love to see transformation, right? And you come into a place of worship and you could be downtrodden and disturbed and look like you've had the crappiest day all day long. And you come into a place of worship and you go, no, God, I'm going to give you praise in the middle of this situation. And you come out beaming. Why? Because he's the help of your countenance. Because when you stare into his face and receive joy and life and light, you become the moon to his sun and you start to reflect the goodness of God. And this is what's going to change your high schools. This is what's going to change your family situation. This is what's going to change your life is if you own your worship in every circumstance, in every situation, and you remember when God was good to you in the middle of your cave, And all of a sudden, you're the one who's shining. And people are drawn to you because they want joy, and they need life, and they need love. And it's not an issue because you're an overflow connected to an unlimited source. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.